So today I want to spend some time talking about the Holy Spirit and how at the point of faith in Christ, you come to this intersection in your life of life management, of spiritual management of your life. Good management is important. Many of you know that because you own a business or you work for a business, good management is important. I like going out to eat and I like finding restaurants that have good management because they have good food. I've been to restaurants where the food wasn't great. In fact, I went to a restaurant once where I took my first bite of food and I could actually taste a chemical in it. And because I had a background in chemicals, I was able to tell the waiter, have you sprayed this chemical in your back uh, storage area? And his face turned kind of white and he took the plate right away, took it back and he brought me a new plate. And that plate did not taste like chemicals. Good management does good things. Bad management does things that we just don't go back for, right? I never went back to the restaurant. There's a restaurant here in town. It's changed hands three times. Uh, The first two times it changed hands, I went there and ate once. But the third time it changed hands, it renovated the restaurant. It put new management in place. The food was great. I've been back there confessional dozens of times, I loved it. Good management gets good press, and you know it because if you work for somebody, you know how important that is. In the Bible, it says, Christ lives in you through the Holy Spirit at work. Well, actually, I said that, but that's what the point is of the message today. It's the big idea, is that the Holy Spirit lives in you as your manager. Can I ask, what's your management style? How do you respond to the Holy Spirit? How do you know that you're actually experiencing the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you? That's what today's message is all about. And we look in Galatians 2.20, and this is really the key point here. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I call it the great exchange. It's the exchange of uh, how I want to live my life for saying to God, God, you guide my life. Your Holy Spirit lives in me. I want to experience it. I want to be on the cutting edge. It says, I no longer live. Have you ever wondered, what does that mean? Because we're sitting right here today alive. Well, it means that that old self, that old independent self that says, I'm going to do it my way or the highway, is gone. That I'm no longer living that. That part died with Christ, but as this verse says, Christ lives in me. For years I read that and thought, well, boy, that sounds great, but does he really live in me? I went to church for years. In fact, I spent uh, dozens of years of my Christian life in deep consultation with myself. And what it produced was a lot of self. But through uh, a couple really key mentors in my life, uh, reading some really strategic verses I'm going to share with you today, and having a, a couple of experiences in my life I came to realize that I wanted to have a different management system. How about you? Who's managing your life? What's the management system you use? And how do you know when the Holy Spirit is working in your life? Those are the things we talk about today. And we live by faith. But we live as people with great needs. And so I was thinking about that this week. Some of us have deep relational needs. And by the way, everybody has needs. There's nothing wrong with being needy. It's just saying we don't meet all our needs. Some people pull our strings. Other people affect our lives. 
And so we have needs that we try to meet as much as we can, being responsible people. And maybe we have a need for relationships, and there's good things about that. And then there's things that when it comes to our motives for those relationships and how we meet those needs, it's not necessarily healthy. So let me identify that with each one of these items. First of all, relationships. Uh, You're looking for a friendship. You're looking for maybe a deeper kind of relationship. Maybe you're looking for a spouse. Uh, All those things can be very healthy, very good. God made you a relational person. You may not feel like it. You may have fears, self-doubts. You may have social phobias and all those sorts of things. But if you're trying to use relationships to establish your identity, that's not healthy. That's going to take you someplace. In fact, if people start saying things to you and about you that hurt your feelings, can you imagine how that would destroy your sense of identity? Don't put your identity in other people's mouths and thoughts. How about success? Success is a good thing. It shows you're ambitious. It means you want, I suppose, get ahead somehow. It means that you want to improve and grow and learn and stretch, and those are great things. But what if your purpose for success was to feel valuable about yourself? And now someone has said that the hardest thing about success is is continuing to look successful in the eyes of other people. Because once you buy into that success thing as an identification of your value, now suddenly, if you're not so successful, what happens to your value? Bye-bye. How about work? Work is important. The Bible even tells you to work. You don't work, you don't eat. And so, yeah, work is important. You want to make some money. You want to buy some good things. All those things are valuable. But what if your purpose for work is really about your sense of significance? That through work, somehow you feel like you're a really significant person, and then you get fired, or you get a pink slip, and you're not working. Where did your significance go? Now, not everybody's maybe in those first three categories. Maybe you are just surviving. I'm talking to so many people in the last four or five years since the economy changed that are just happy to be surviving. And that's important. That shows that. independence, it shows personal responsibility, it shows that you are willing to work and maybe get somewhere. That's good. But what if your whole thing about this survival thing is, I don't care about anybody else, I'm going to do whatever I have to to get ahead. I'll even step on people. Unhealthy. And so today we're going to be spending some time looking at how the Holy Spirit helps us to get our needs met in a deep internal way so that our relationships, our work, our success, our survival, everything in our life is in balance the way God designed it to be. So we're going to move ahead and look at that. There is one character in the Bible by the name of Simon. I spent some time this week just really thinking a lot about it. I'd never done it before in, in 50 years of thinking about Bible and So this week I went to Simon and just kept reading about this guy. And this guy was into a combination of the magic arts, astrology, witchcraft, that sort of a thing. And it says in the Bible that he amazed the crowds of people. He amazed the public. This guy had some kind of thing going on there that people really were believing in him. It says that they gave him their attention. And so this guy got, you know how it is, when you get attention, you can get used to it and kind of 
feel good about yourself. It says that he got lots of attention. He even got some really great prestigious titles. And you can read about it there. I won't go into it. But I read this part of the story. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, give me that ability. Peter responds to him and say, dude, your heart is in the wrong place. Paraphrasing, the Spirit doesn't come by paying out bucks. And he goes on to say about him, not only is your heart not right, but you're full of something called bitterness and captive to sin. And I thought a lot about that bitterness thing. See, I've always kind of thought Simon just wanted to get the power of the Holy Spirit so he could make a buck off it. But actually, there's nothing in the passage that says he wants to make a buck out off it. Peter just says that, hey, your money is nothing. This bitterness is emotional reaction that we have when we're disappointed with new circumstances. Have you ever found yourself in new circumstances you didn't control and you were emotionally put out, bent out, upset? Well, we all have. At least I have. I've been there several times. And so when we get there, the question is, when we have needs and we're disappointed with circumstances, how do we respond? And this guy responded with the emotional reaction of bitterness. So he wanted the Holy Spirit so he could start being in on this action of giving people the Holy Spirit so he could once again be popular. It was all about self-fulfillment. It was all about prestige. It was about him seeking honor. It was about self. And that's the big problem with meeting our own needs is that we're always kind of challenged to look at ourselves and serve ourselves. And so that's what he did. And the Bible wants to give us a new foundation for this internal well-being that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all I can tell you is that I'm still on the journey, but boy, it feels good to have learned a lot and grown and changed, even though every time that change comes, I feel stretched. It's sometimes painful to grow and change. But wow, when you get to the benefit of it, It's pretty sweet. It makes for healthier relationships. Thank you, Lord. It makes for a better outlook on life. When the curveballs of life come at you, man, it feels better internally, emotionally. There's a lot of benefit to letting the Holy Spirit be your manager. And the first B of three Bs that we're going to look at today is to be assured. This is foundational because here's what I've noticed as a pastor is that the most common encounter I have with uh, Christians who are struggling is that they're not assured. They have everything going on from self-doubt, insecurities, um, uh, manifestations of that, like anger and stuff, and they have a hard time with their relationships, and they have a hard time trusting and relating to their children, their parents, their spouse, because there's this whole lack of assurance with God. And then I'd love for you guys to just tap into this today because the Spirit comes into our lives to stay when we trust Jesus to take all our sins away. Did I just rhyme? I think I did, and I didn't even try. What do you know? 
And so I'm going to take you on a little bit of a historical journey. Bear with me, please. Because I realize that some Christians have some verses in the Old Testament that got them confused here in New Testament times. And so we go to Psalm 51, written by David, King David. This was after he had messed up with Bathsheba and ended up committing a whole series of sins trying to cover up his first sin. And he writes this, Do not cast me from your presence, talking to God, or take your Holy Spirit from me, because in the Old Testament, the presence of the Holy Spirit was usually associated with God's work in the life of kings and prophets and unique circumstances where God was trying to get people's attention. The Holy Spirit wasn't a permanent indwelling, a permanent helping thing. The Spirit came and went. And when people walked away from the Lord, the Lord let them walk away. And his spirit wasn't there helping them at those moments because of their independence and self-will. And David says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And so in the Old Testament, the spirit was temporary, but there is a bright shining light in the book of Joel, one of those Old Testament minor prophets that had a big impact for today because he prophesied these words for a future time. He said, I will pour out my spirit on all people, even on my servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. And so everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will receive forgiveness of sins from God, but much more than that, they will receive the Holy Spirit in their lives. And the Old Testament saints didn't have that experience of a constant presence of the Holy Spirit. And so we also see in the Old Testament in Jeremiah that it says to Israel, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And that's so important to this whole needs matrix issue in our lives because as we seek to get our needs met, it's our internal issues that oftentimes pop up and get in the way of healthy living and healthy relating. And so God promises a change of heart. The Israelites were very familiar with uh, God writing stuff to them on stone tablets. You remember Sinai, where the Ten Commandments were given. They were used to seeing it. They were used to prophets occasionally speaking out and giving new revelation. But to actually think that God would write it in their hearts would be a special thought and experience. And it is to us as well, because the Holy Spirit works in our inner lives to make us strong. And then we get to the time of Jesus where these prophecies are beginning to be fulfilled. The indwelling help of the Spirit isn't just an occasional thing, but read with me out loud. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. You know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Yay. Yes, let's celebrate. I just want to stop and just, just kind of think about that and go, wow, what a joy to have a relationship with Jesus Christ 
and to have his Holy Spirit live in me. I knew the day I accepted Christ as my Savior, and I knew something had changed, and intellectually I couldn't have explained it, but verbally I remember stopping and saying out loud, something's changed. I knew it. Yesterday I heard a brother share with some others, try to explain to some others about what happened in his life, and I just loved hearing it because basically he said what I, my experience was is that, yeah, just all of a sudden something happens in you, to you, and, and, and it's great. But you can't put your finger on it other than to say what we're reading here is that Jesus said he would give us a counselor, and what does a counselor do for you? Well, a counselor does a lot of things. A counselor coaches you instructs you, points out maybe where you're off track, helps you to think about how to be on track, and gives balance and perspective, and sometimes even helps us to get to the point of hope again. And so if there's something going on in your life, just realize this, that the Holy Spirit, through faith in Christ, is your counselor. He's not only with you, but now here in New Testament times, he's in you. How long? Forever. It says forever. And that is pure excitement. Because no matter what you have going on in your life, whatever curveball may be coming, God is with you to take you through it. And so here's some of the benefits of how all that happens in your life. First of all, you receive life in the Spirit. It's a new life. And you know it when you start to trust Christ because things are different in a great way. The Spirit gives life, but it says the flesh counts for nothing. And what's the flesh? It's our continuing mistake to depend on ourselves, to feel good about ourselves, and to get God to try to accept us on our terms. How silly to try to do that. No, when you come to Christ, you come to God on his terms. You receive his Holy Spirit. You receive the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus said, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit in their life, because that's what he wants to give us. And then we need this reminder ministry, because the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will, first of all, teach you all things. And then secondarily, he'll remind you of everything I've said to you. For those initial disciples, that was a unique ministry because those disciples became the apostles. And the apostles, some of them, wrote the New Testament for us so that today we have it right here. It's in written form. Those first apostles received it by the Spirit guiding them and reminding them of everything Jesus had said so that we got it written down accurately and we could be confident about it. And then the Holy Spirit takes this written word and uses it in our lives. In fact, it's called the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And so today we want to help you with your experience of the Holy Spirit by giving you something. The church would like to give anybody here who doesn't have a Bible a free Bible. They're waiting for you at the Welcome Center. And can you, see, can you see why, in light of this message on the Holy Spirit, why having God's Word and getting it into your head and letting it sink down into your heart is so crucial? Because the sword of the Spirit is the Word. I guess I could say it this way. The Holy Spirit is not an independent operator. 
you know, when you run into people who are kind of independent operators, it's all kind of about this needs thing where they're satisfying themselves, they're making themselves look good, they're glorifying themselves. The Holy Spirit isn't about isolating himself from the rest of the Trinity, the Father and the Son. Instead, the Holy Spirit is glorifying the Father and the Son and himself all together in perfect unity and harmony by helping us to understand what's in the Bible. And so this week, I, I had joy once again. Have you ever had opened the Bible and read it just like I did in Acts 8 this week with Simon? And I spent some time thinking about why is this description of Simon having all this internal emotional stuff going on? Why is it there? And then I realized it's there because we all have that stuff. And we needed to see that he trusted Christ as his Savior. He got baptized. But then when Peter and John came in town and the Holy Spirit was given to all these brand new believers, he ended up reverting back to his old heart issues, his heart problems. He wanted attention. He wanted to be significant. And he struggled with it. So we want to give you the tools so that you can be successful at experience this, experiencing the Spirit, giving you those wonderful aha moments. Just pray, God, show me what this means, and just start reading it. And watch what the Holy Spirit will do for you. And so, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you get this foundation of security. First of all, the Holy Spirit seals you into a relationship with God. And it's so important that I just ask, read this out loud with me. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Two things. The seal of the Holy Spirit is put on you so that whenever God looks at you, guess what he sees? He sees the Holy Spirit. You're sealed. He does that work for you. You don't seal yourself. This is what God does for you. He seals you into the family of God. He seals you as one of his kids. Now that's special. And the seal is the promised Holy Spirit that comes to reside in your life at the moment of faith in Christ. And the Spirit, the second thing, guarantees your what? Your inheritance. You're looking forward to salvation. The day will come when it will be completed and you will be in heaven with Jesus Christ. And right now, that's a guarantee. It will happen. It's guaranteed. In fact, the Greek word here was a word that was used both in commerce and a legal term to identify someone who entered into a financial obligation with somebody else, saying that they were committing themselves to pay off this bill. Notice you're not saying you're going to pay off the bill. God is telling you that by the Holy Spirit living in you, he's guaranteeing he's paying off the bill. You're in. It's a done deal. You don't work for it. You don't pay him back. It's a gift. I love it. <laughs> Let's all quit and go home and celebrate. I get so much joy out of that. That's what God gives you. You're sealed. That makes you secure. And then you're adopted. 
Now, anybody here who's been adopted will relate with real passion for this concept because this is what the scripture says. Read with me. Those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So there's this contrast the scripture gives between those who are living like slaves, living like slaves spiritually and emotionally through their whole lives, and those who live as God's children, his sons and daughters. There's a huge contrast. There's some people who spend all their life controlled by their fears. God doesn't want you to stay there, folks. He has a gift for you. It's freedom. And it comes through being adopted as God's sons and daughters. The adoption, once again, is a legal term. Just like today, it's a legal term. And when you're adopted, you may not have been born into that family, but you are adopted with all the rights and privileges so that the law looks at you as same as though you were born in that family. You're in. You're equal. You're loved and accepted. By God. Wow. I better move on. I'll get too excited for you here. Notice the contrast. The contrast. There's the master relationship where you're trying in your own flesh to make yourself feel good about yourself or make God accept you. And then there's the son relationship where you come to God on his terms and he accepts you into his family with all the rights and privileges thereof. In the master relationship, the slave always lives with the doubts. Am I performing? Am I accepted? Am I going to get punished? You live in fear because of that. And it gnaws at you. It affects you sometimes really big in specific areas of your life. But when you have a son relationship, you have the father's support. And so you're not afraid to come to him for help, even if you've failed. And you see in a slave relationship, the Bible has you being fleshly led. You're just trying to do your own thing. You're trying to be good enough. And you just get so tired doing it, it wears you out. But you see, when you have the spirit, the power of the spirit in your life, now you've got God's support. And now you respond differently to life and circumstances and problems and relationships. Bottom line, what do you want? Insecurity or confidence? I'm going for confidence, folks. Because you see, I don't want to live a life where my needs are causing me to use other people to meet my insecurities. You see, when the Holy Spirit is off on a tangent in your mind, just out there somewhere, you're not going to lean into God and you're not going to receive the power of God because you're not connecting to God the way he designed it. You may have the Holy Spirit, but you can just ignore the Holy Spirit. And so if you're trying to get your needs met on your own, other people and resources become your source. You're drawing from them. You're pulling from them. 
And believe me, if someone's done that to you, you know it. You read it. It's this need-meeting dilemma. But the need-meeting solution is leaning into the Holy Spirit, expecting the Holy Spirit to do things, to guide you, to take you through things. And now people are not the place where you're sucking your life out of, but you are exchanging gifts and resources and communication. In other words, you're working together and the Holy Spirit's providing for you, and that's your source. And so be assured, and once you're assured, then you need to be into the next B category, and that's be cooperative, because the Spirit wants to make you more like Jesus Christ. The target of the Christian life is becoming like Jesus Christ. You can choose the pathway of the Holy Spirit. Because Paul says, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your sinful nature. That old fleshly thing, you don't have to go there. You don't have to. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And I love the imagery. It's beautiful. So here you are. You're on this journey called life. And when things are going great, you're just happy and you're feeling good inside. Everything feels probably pretty balanced and and you're enjoying life. But then you come to a place where there's a drop in the road or a bump in the road and you're, you're kind of feeling like imbalanced and off track and you're not feeling good about things. You're emotionally disappointed. You're kind of like that Simon guy that we read about. You start to have these emotional feelings of disruption in your life and you don't, well, we don't like disruption. But to keep in step with the Spirit, we understand two things. The Holy Spirit is taking us to a destination that's good so we don't have to stress like we used to. And number two, we need to keep in step with the cadence of the Spirit. So if the Spirit is prompting you to move forward, you move forward. If the Holy Spirit is saying to you, slow down, would you? Just stop. Just stop and Let me teach you some things, and then I will move you on. And so there's this process of growth that the Christian life is like. You accept Christ, and you instantly have a new status. You have the foundation. You're secure. And now you enter into a pathway, a course of learning and growing, and you are the one who makes the choice to go with the Spirit or to ignore the Spirit. We're encouraging you to go with the Spirit because as you embrace the Spirit's power, you will have the freedom to truly change. One of my top five lists of prayers is, God, help us to really believe your promises that we can truly change. So many of us have doubts. We we think, God, I've been so bad, you can't change me. I mean, I'm just too far gone. That's not true. God can move and shake and lead anybody who's willing to be led and taught. You choose it. And the Bible says the Lord is the Spirit. And by the way, that means the Spirit is God. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. Freedom. Let's try that once again. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, you have freedom. Freedom. You have the ability to move forward with change. 
And it says that we who with unveiled faces, Old Testament imagery, the old temple had a big veil in it because access to God was limited just to the priests or one priest a year when they went in the Holy of Holies. And so we who with unveiled faces, we, we see the Lord. We have this relationship through Jesus, reflect the Lord's glory. And glory is the term that identifies the character attributes of God. And when you start looking at your Heavenly Father and thinking about His attributes, His qualities, suddenly it's what you want to become like. Think about it. We need, we need more love in our life. Well, okay, God, I'm going to come to you because you are the perfect example of a loving Father. God, you're patient. Man, you are so patient. We see it in the Bible. God, I need patience. Work in my life. And I could, the list of character qualities can go on and on that God is willing to invest in your life because this verse tells us that he transforms us into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. And that's the journey we talked about in the Holy Spirit. And the way it comes is through or from the Lord who is the Spirit. That is the power for embracing change in your life. The third B that we look at today for this Holy Spirit work in our life is to just simply be a blessing. I'm going to make this real short and sweet. You're supposed to be a pipeline, a blessing. Because the Spirit gifts us to bless others. Think about it. One verse alone here tells us that there are different kinds of gifts but the same spirit, there's different kinds of service, the same Lord. There's even different kinds of working, but the same God who works all of them in all men. And so with all of this variety of gifts that God's put into you, he says to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. And so... When he puts something into your life, when he makes an investment in you, just realize this, it helps you, but it's supposed to help others as well. Pass it on. Give it away. Share it. God has gifted every believer in this audience with a, at least one unique spiritual gift to where when you operate in that area of gifting, you are going to produce fruit. Or I should say the Holy Spirit will produce fruit through you. Are you in the flow of being used by God and gifting others for the common good? The world needs to see this. The world needs to see churches all across America, all across the world, where Christians are getting guidance from the Holy Spirit, empowered to live the Christian life, and serving each other so that the world says, wow, that's amazing. There must be a God because you guys love each other, serve each other, and actually get along with each other. And so we come back to the impact of the Holy Spirit helping us to meet this core set of needs that we all have. When we rely on God, the Holy Spirit begins pouring into us the strength, the understanding, the wisdom that we need to live the Christian life. And as a result of that, we become a pipeline where we start giving more love, 
we serve more people, we start gifting and blessing people, and it's more about giving it away than it is about give it, getting it and taking it. And that makes a dramatic impact in our lives and everybody around us. And so I'd like to wrap it up with a couple short stories. One guy was a hard worker. He had a nice, cute little family. But you see, he was a workaholic. And he was a workaholic because when he stayed at work, he didn't have to relate deeply with his family at home. He wasn't comfortable going there. And so he worked and worked and worked and made lots of money and was very successful. But his wife and his kids wished for more of dad. Well, dad came to a saving faith in Jesus Christ one day. And over the period of the next year or two, he embraced the change of the Holy Spirit leading him and helping him to face his insecurity about going deep in relationship. His wife began to see that he was spending more time with her. The kids began to be in shock because dad was taking them out to do some of their favorite activities and he wasn't working as much. And the kids noticed it this way. Because dad was a perfectionist at work and a hard worker, he drove them hard at home. And when he came to Christ, that started changing and he began showing them where God was giving him a new motivation to inspire them to do their best, but he told him, you have the freedom to fail. And as soon as he released that, that power to his children, they didn't go off and fail. Instead, they started feeling like they could succeed and that dad would love them whether they succeeded or failed. And they started seeing what their heavenly father was like because their earthly dad started passing the pipeline of God's love. And then I'll tell you about a mother. A mother was the exact opposite story. She was married to someone totally different than this previous guy. But she married a guy because she wanted the guy to basically provide for her, nothing wrong with that, take care of her, so that she wouldn't have to get, go into the workforce. Because you see, her internal struggle was she had lots of self-doubt. She had fears about going in the workforce. She didn't feel capable or competent in the workforce. And so she not only avoided the workforce, she avoided public settings. She was just the perfect little housewife, and she did everything great at home, but the family didn't go public places. She avoided that, and everybody in the family knew it. Well, she came to a saving faith in Jesus Christ and yielded to God and gave him permission. Actually, she even requested outright, God, help me to overcome my fears. And she was invited by a lady in the church to come to the women's Bible study. And she came with all her fears. And those ladies embraced her. They literally hugged her. And she came into that study and she started learning about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And she trusted Christ as her Savior. And you know what? She started being different. She started going out in public with her family. And her kids couldn't believe it. 
And she told her kids, you know what? I was raised this way and I didn't develop confidence. I want you kids to be different. I don't want you to be like I was. I want you to grow up with self-confidence. And she said to them, I want you to start trying new things. As long as they're wholesome, as long as they're good, I want you to try new things. And Dad and I, we're going to try to back you up and we'll drive you there. We'll help you out to do it. But we want you to try new things and build your confidence and to let God work in your life. And those kids couldn't believe it because their mom was pushing them out of the nest and saying, trust God, you can do it. We believe in you. I'm backing you up. And those kids became strong, confident adults. And that's the difference that Jesus Christ will make in your life when you let the Holy Spirit meet your heart and change you from the inside out. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you that through faith in Christ, you have adopted us. You have sealed us into your forever family. And that we have the security to know that we can move forward every day, no matter what the circumstances with confidence and hope because you're in control and your spirit leads us. And Lord, I just wonder if there's somebody out there who's been looking for this kind of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And today they want to say, I want that relationship. If you want it, would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray for you. Yes, sir. Anybody else? I want to pray for you. Yes. Lord Jesus... I pray for those who have just indicated that they want you in their heart and life. You've already done it just by the fact that they've expressed that they want you. And now I pray they would move forward with confidence in your goodness and love for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we have